Let's bow our heads for just a moment of silent prayer. Amen. There are many things about Satan that make me angry. But I think the thing that makes me the angry the most are the thoughts that Satan puts into people's heads. Because there are two things that Satan says to sinners. Either is they're not so bad and they'll probably make it the way they are, they don't need to change. Or he tells them they're too bad and there's no hope for them. And the people who think they're good enough the way that they already are, I really don't know what to do for them. They are the hardest ones to reach. The people that crucified Jesus thought that they were pretty good people. And frankly, I really don't know how to deal with people like that, so I'm not going to today. But the ones I want to deal with are the ones who down in their heart really do want to come to God, and Satan tells those people, he'll never accept you, you are too bad. I've mentioned this before, but in this church, there is a person who has died now, not this congregation, but uh, in the Seventh-day Adventist church, that was like Martin Luther was to the Lutheran church. Most of you know who I'm talking about. There was a person that God used to bring about the Seventh-day Adventist church. It was a lady whose name is Ellen White. And she wrote a book that was talking about what went on in heaven during the time that Lucifer was doing what Lucifer was doing. And it said that Lucifer had already come to the point where he had gotten so far away from God that it was impossible for Lucifer to to truly repent. But we know from the Bible that there were a third of the angels in heaven that sided with Luther and were finally cast out. And one of the things it said, that among those third there were some of those who were having second thoughts about this whole thing before they had gone too far. And they were really thinking, you know, I think that Lucifer is wrong. I think that God is right. I think that we should go back to God's side. And it says in that book that Lucifer found out that some of the ones who were on his side were thinking about going back to God's side. And so they went, Lucifer went to those angels. And he said to them, I understand that you're thinking about going back to God's side. And since they were angels and they hadn't completely fallen yet, they were honest and they said, yes, that's true, we've been considering that. And in the book it says that what Lucifer said was, I've been thinking about it myself, but I need to tell you something. As you know, I was closer to God than the rest of you. And I want you to know that you've gone too far. God would never accept you back. And the thing that carried the day and got those angels who were cast out The thing that got them finally on Satan's side was Satan's lie. You have gone too far. God will never accept you. And of all the things that Satan says to sinners, the one that makes me the maddest is this lie about God right there. You've gone too far. God will never accept you. And the people who are the closest actually to coming to God are the ones who are so fully aware of how sinful they are. And they want to go to God and God, Satan says to them, God will never accept you. You have gone too far. I am here today to tell you that that is a lie. If you have a desire to come to God and you you recognize how sinful you are, that is unmistakable evidence that God's Holy Spirit is working on your heart to bring you to God because it's only the people who recognize how sinful they are. They're the ones who are ready to come to Jesus. And I have met people who are right on the verge of suicide. They are so discouraged. And I, the people who are 
so that discouraged, I want to go to them and I want to say to them, you have no idea how close you are to God. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because several months ago, I had the privilege of uh, having the alumni sermon for my 50th graduating class. And my roommate was there from 50 years ago. And he emailed me. And I thought what I said that day, I thought I had found just about everything. That How many know you haven't found everything? I want to read to you what he emailed me. How many have I ever given one of my cards to? Does anybody have my... Well, I have revised it. Because when he emailed me this, I thought, oh, I have got to put this in there. So the stuff that's on the back of the card is even smaller than it was because I had to get this other end. So you'll pardon me while I get my glasses out to read this. But I want to read what he emailed to me that I put on my card. It was a letter that Ellen White wrote to a lady who was terribly discouraged. And she says, and I haven't put it all in here, so I have to get some of it from memory. But she says, God has told me to tell you this. I know how discouraged you are. I know how weak you are. But I want you to know something. And she gave a promise. And I want you to look this promise up. It's John chapter 6 and verse 37. Now, the card that you have, if it's in black and white, it's the wrong one. You don't have it. Because this is a new one I just put out. And I think there's only three or four of you have got it. So I'll have to pass my card out again. But the, the text that Ellen White refers to is John chapter 6 and verse 37. You look that up in your Bible. I won't need to read you that one. Have you looked it up and do you know what it says yet? I love this text. Don't you love it? Him that cometh unto me, what? What does it say? I will no wise cast you out. And you see, Satan doesn't want you to come. And he says you're too bad because Satan knows the truth. If you come to Jesus in your sin recognizing as you need him, everyone who comes to him is accepted. Is that right? Now, let me read you just the four lines that I was able to put on this card. Uh, And you may not have it because how many of you know that there are a lot of things that this lady wrote that were never published? Well, this is from one of those sources. And if you have a computer and you have that program, uh, I'm not even, it's, uh, anyway, it's 1-175-something OMR, Manuscript releases, oh, 10. 10 manuscript release 175. And it says this. It may seem to you that you are hanging upon a single promise, but appropriate that one promise and it will open to you the whole treasure house of the riches, the grace of Christ. One promise can open to you everything that God has for you. One promise, hang to that one promise. Cling to that promise and you are safe. Here's the promise. Him that cometh unto me, I will no wise cast out. Present this assurance to Jesus and you are as safe as though you were inside the city of God. Now there's another place. I brought my computer up here, but I'm afraid to try to get into it because I'm a computer novice and it'll go terrible. And so I can't tell you where it is, but if you want to know, I can show you the computer afterwards. It's referring to the same text, John 6, 37. If you come to me, you'll know I will no wise cast you out. It says, you present this promise to God, and you can never perish while you do this. Dash, never. Now, those thoughts need to get in your mind. And what's not on here, it goes on. It says that when you receive that promise, and you really believe that promise... It will change your life to recognize 
I have come to him and all my sin and all my failure and everything that's wrong with me and he will accept me and he puts his arms of love around me and he holds me close to himself. And it's thinking about those things and rejoicing about those things that give the Christian strength. Now I'm going to give you more text than I usually give in the morning because I haven't got a lot to say today. So I'm just going to read to you out of the Bible because the Bible talks about how important it is that we just continue, continue, continue in a state of rejoicing. Now, the first text I want you to look at is found in the book of Jude. And by the way, the book of Jude is the last book in the Bible before you get to Revelation. And Revelation is talking about all the trouble that's going to come on God's people at the end of time. So the book of Jude is the book that is preparing you for all the hardships that come in Revelation. And I want you to look, Jude only has one chapter, so it is in verse 21. Well, let's go back to verse 20. Are you all there in Jude, verse 20? Here it says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Is there something that we can do? What does it say? Beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith. How do you build yourself up on your most holy faith? Go down to verse 21. Keep yourselves where? Keep yourselves in the love of God. How do you do that? How do you keep yourself in the love of God? The next part of the verse. Looking for the what? Mercy. You keep looking at His mercy. The way that you keep yourself in the love of God is you keep looking at God's mercy and the goodness that He's had to you. And as you do, do that, your heart will begin to be infused with His Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, that's a subject I talk about an awful lot. Am I right? Which, which kind of mercy? Which kind of mercy is it talking about? The mercy that gives us eternal life. You keep looking at that kind of mercy, and it will build yourself up in the, in the love of God. And no, notice what it says when you get down to verse 24. As you keep doing this, it says, Now unto him... Boy, I love this. Read it out loud with me. Now unto him that is able to do what? Keep you from what? Falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. If we keep looking at his mercy, even when we failed, and using his mercy, not to excuse our sins, but to thank him for what he has done, he will keep you from falling, and he will present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now... I want you to look at another text. This is found in 1 Thessalonians, which is about 30 pages back from where you are. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And it talks about the same thing that Jude talks about, that he is able to keep you from falling and he is able to present you faultless before his Father. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And notice what it says in verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you. Do you know what the word sanctify means? If you go to the cleaners and you bring your clothes back on that little plastic thing that says don't put in a baby's crib, it will have the word sanitized. What does sanitized means? This thing has been made clean. And to sanctify means the process by which God takes his people and makes them clean. And you often hear me talk about the word justified. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, how many times have I said this? I want you to get this one memorized. 
When you accept Jesus as your Savior, God accepts you how? Come on, louder. How does God accept you when you accept Jesus as your Savior? As though you had never sinned. Why? Because Jesus never sinned. And God imputed to Jesus the guilt for your sins. And when you accept him, he imputes to you the righteousness of his son and accepts you as though you had never sighed. That's what justified means. And sanctification, as you rejoice over your justification, he sanctifies you. When he justifies you, he accepts you as though you'd never sinned. And when he sanctifies you, he brings you to the place so that he, he, you become as he accepts you as if you already were. Are you with me? And notice what it says here. Verse 23, 1 Thessalonians 5. And the very God of peace will do what? He'll make you clean. And how clean will he make you? W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved how? Blameless. When? When Jesus comes. Is God able to do that? Now see, Satan says... He has two lies. Number one, you are too sinful. You can never come to God because he does not want you to be justified. And then once you do come to God and Jesus justifies you by his righteousness, the next lie that Satan tells you is, well, maybe he can accept you as though you had never sinned, but you can never be that way. Now, let me show you, and it might take the rest of the sermon to show you what it says here in 1 Thessalonians, what God wants us to do. And if we will do this, this is what God will do. How many want to know what your part is? Now I'm going to tell you where your part is. Starting in verse 14, the last part, well, I'll read all 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. And then the last part says what? Help me out. What does it say? Be patient to who? Everybody. Why be patient with all people? Why be patient with all people? There are two reasons to be patient with all people. The obvious reason is so they don't get discouraged. Am I right? We don't want to discourage other people and we're patient with them. Praise Lord, God is patient with me. All right? But the other reason God wants us to be patient with all men is because when we look at what they do that irritates us, that gets us, the very thinking about it gets our attention off of Jesus. Amen? All right. Verse 15. See that... None render evil for evil to who? Anybody. If someone does something evil to you, should you do evil back to them? Is that the most normal thing in the world? It is. If they've done evil to you, you think, the way I keep them from doing evil things to me is I be even meaner to them than they were to me. And then I'll teach them a lesson. How many have ever felt that way? They'll know better than to mess with me again. How many know that doesn't work? Because they try to figure out how to get more on top of you and you're just trying to up them up and up. God says, never render evil for evil. Why? Because he doesn't want you thinking about how to get even and he wants you to be nice to them and maybe that will win them over. It might not, but at least you try and that's your job. And I've told this to people and say, well, I did it and it doesn't work. I said, I don't care. God says do it whether it works or not. Amen? It's what God says. And I, you've, I've preached a lot on this. But never render evil to, to anybody. Ever follow that which is good, both to, among yourselves and to all men. Now, as you do what it says here, will it make it easier for God to work on you to make you pure? So just make up your mind. You're going to treat people the way that Jesus treated the people who drove the nails through his hands and feet. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And when Stephen was being stoned, he prayed, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. 
Stephen didn't want God. Now, I know the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay him. Boy, you think, God's going to get even with you. But Stephen, when he's being stoned, did not want God to get even with the people who were stoning him. Father, do not lay this sin to their charge. Amen? Now, verse 16. How many of you have ever sung this with me? Anybody? All right. We've done this at prayer meeting a couple times. We might as well sing it rather than read it. You can do it. You'll catch on real quick. We start in verse 18. I'll just start singing and you'll catch on. All right? And as soon as you do, start singing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. Have you got it? Here we go again. Rejoice evermore, for this is the will of God. I'm in verse 16 and 18. Oh, I might as well tell you what I'm doing. Verse 18 is the chorus every time we come back. Here we go. Verse 16. Rejoice evermore, for this is the will of God. Rejoice evermore, for this is the will of God. Rejoice evermore, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's go back to verse 15 get the last part. Never render evil for evil. That's the first part. Never render evil for evil, for this is the will of God. Never render evil for evil, for this is the will of God. Never render evil for evil, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. Pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. I'm in verse 19. Quench not the Spirit, for this is the will of God. Quench not the Spirit, for this is the will of God. Quench not the Spirit, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let me stop here just little bit. By the way, if you render evil for evil, you're quenching the Spirit because you're thinking about what they did. And if you don't rejoice evermore, you're quenching the Spirit. And if you don't pray without ceasing, you're quenching the Spirit. And when you're quenching the Spirit, how many think the Holy Spirit wants you to know you're quenching the Spirit? That's what verse 20 is for. That's what part of the work of a prophet is. Stop doing that because when you do that, you quench the Spirit, Right? And we have a prophet among us says, don't eat this because I've discovered I eat the wrong kind of stuff. What does it do? It quenches the spirit. When I suck the wrong things in my mouth, what does it do? It quenches the spirit. And the prophet says, don't do that stuff. And I know when I go to my TV and I watch the wrong kind of stuff, it makes it hard for me to read the Bible. How many have ever noticed that? And when you're watching that stuff, what does it do? It quenches the spirit. So let's do that and let's sing verse 20. Despise not prophesying... For this is the will of God. Despise not prophesying. For this is the will of God. Despise not prophesying. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I'd like to sing some more, but it's taking too long and I'm running out of time. So I'll just read the rest of it. Check everything out. That means prove everything. You, You know, check it out. And if it's good, hold on to it. If it's not, get rid of it. Teachings come along. You check them out. How do they affect my relationship with Jesus Christ? If it helps me get closer, take it. If it doesn't help me get closer, don't have anything to do with it. 
Verse 22, if it looks wrong, don't have anything to do with it. Well, that's not so wrong. I don't care. If it looks wrong, don't do it. Amen? And then verse 23, the very God of peace will sanctify you holy, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. How? Blameless. And I told you I was going to give you a lot of texts, and I'm just sticking on one or two. So I'm going to give you some here. Psalm 717. And I'm going to go to the book of Psalms because I've kind of taken them in a chronological order. And right now, I don't know what they say because I didn't write it down. But let's look at it. They all are talking about praising God. Psalm 7, verse 17 says, I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. How many think we ought to do that more often? Uh, Chapter 9 and verse 12. Go to that one real quick. When he maketh... I don't remember that one. Chapter 9, verse 12. Well, I'll read it anyway. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembers them, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. It's probably talking about what Jesus did with his blood, and he doesn't forget the cry of the humble. Uh, let's try chapter 10 and verse 4 and see who that's with. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not where? In his thoughts. If Satan is getting God out of your thoughts, then you land among the wicked. Amen? God is not in the thoughts of the wicked. That's a good one. That fits my sermon. Um, that was 10. Okay, let's go to 12 and verse 5. I want to get all of these if I can. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighting of the needy, now will I rise, saith the Lord. I will set him safely from him that... Well, that's not right either. All right. Boy, I'm liable to get messed up here. I should go back to my computer. Let me try 16.8 and see what that one says. I, oh, I, this one is good. This one's good. I have set the Lord how often before me? Always. Why? He's at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Every morning when you get up, the first thing you do is set God before you. Keep Him in your thoughts. Uh, let's go to Psalms 34 real quick. Psalms 34. Oh, I know this one. Verses 1 through 4. I will bless the Lord how often? All the time. His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from what? Are all these things true? And you see, when you are being discontented, you need to find something that you can praise God for. How many have ever heard of Glenn Kuhn? Now, I'm guessing Glenn Kuhn is dead, so some of you young ones might not have known him. But he wrote a book called Path to the Heart that my wife's best girlfriend gave her as a wedding present. So we used this book as our devotions on our honeymoon. And I'm thinking the stuff we learned there probably contributed to the good marriage that we have had. Because he's all the time talking about these things. And he was giving counsel to a lady who was so depressed she was just about to commit suicide. Just everything, everything she could think about depressed her. And so he said to her, can you think of ten things that you can thank God for? She says, no, I don't have anything I can give God thanks for. He says, well, can you go to the faucet and turn the faucet on and get a drink of water? Well, yeah, she said, I do that. Well, she says, think of what it would be like if you couldn't do that. So put that down. So he, he made her make a list. Write down, dear God, I thank you that I have water to drink and it doesn't poison me. How many can thank God for that? 
All right. He said, do you have food in the cupboard in the fridge? Well, yeah, she said. Well, write that down. And thank God for that. He says, when it rains, do you have a roof over your head? Well, yeah, I have a roof over. Well, thank God for that. He says, do you have a bed that when you get sleep, you can let? Yeah, she says, well, write that down. You have a bed you can sleep on. He says, do you have some income, some source of income? Even if it's welfare. Write that down. Wrote that down. And they went through and found 10 things that she could thank God for. He says, now, every time you're starting to think of something negative, I want you to, to go over that list of 10 things. And he made her promise. He said, if you won't promise to do that, I'm not going to come back and see you. Because I'm, right now I'm being a doctor and writing you a prescription. And if you don't take the prescription, what's the bother of you coming to see me and wasting my time? Does that make any sense? So he says, I want you, every time you think of something negative, whether it be a person or a situation or whatever, I want you to start going over that list and see if you can add to it. He went back a week later. She had a smile on her face. She brought out a list. It was two pages long. And she says, it was very hard. I was mad at you. How many have noticed that when you get in the habit of negative thinking, it's just the way you do stuff. Am I right? But she knew he was going to nail her on this. And so she'd go over those 10 things. And in the process of going over those 10 things, he says, when you go over the thing, if you think of something else, write it down. So she'd start going over the 10 things. And she says, that first day, it was hard. I was mad at you for making me do that, but it was hard because I didn't feel like being cheerful. I will bless the Lord how often? At all times. His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. He made her do that. And she came with a hundred things. And she says, in just the process of giving thanks to God, day after day, her depression was cured. Now, I got a whole lot of text here about the fact that God tells us to praise Him. Let me ask you a question on this thing about praising God. Is God a... What's the word I'm trying... A megamaniac? Uh, does God sit there and says, they didn't praise me, I'm really depressed. Does God tell us to praise Him because God likes us to hear, likes to hear how good He is? Why does God ask us to praise Him? It is for our good. How many have ever heard that it says that the Bible is the sword of the Spirit? All right, when Satan comes to depress you, you take out the sword of spirit and you stick it in Satan's ear. How many know that Satan hates to hear you praising God? Amen? How many want me to just quit preaching and go back to reading Bible verses? Uh, Psalms 92. Let's see if I got that one right. Psalms 92. Here it is. Oh, boy, this fits with what I'm preaching. It is... Read this with me. It is a good... Am I in the right place? I don't hear anybody reading me. Psalms 92, verse 1. Did I tell you verse 1? All right, verse 1. Read it with me. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Let's read it again, that first phrase. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Good for God or good for us? It is good for us. It straightens us out. That's 92. Let's go to 94 and verse 19 and see what that one says. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight thy, my soul. How many like that one? 
The more you think about God and let God's thoughts be in your mind, the more comfort you will have in your soul. Amen? How many think Pastor Stauffer picked out some good verses today? All right. Psalms 100. You know this one. I've used this one before on you. Psalms 100. I'm going to read the whole thing. We could sing this, but I won't do that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord how? Oh, it is so hard to be a Christian. God requires so much. Serve the Lord with what? Dear God, I am so thankful you kept me from eating that stuff. I'm so thankful that I got raised the way I did so I didn't have all these terrible habits after over. It is a... Make a joy. Serve the Lord with what? How many believe it's good to be a Christian? Even if the Bible says, take up your cross and follow me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Now, can I say this again? I've said it before. I often thought entering into his thanks, when you come to God, you come with thanksgiving. I thought that was protocol. You know what protocol is? This is the way you act when you are around important people. Isn't that protocol? And you thought, when you get around God, you are supposed to come to Him with thanksgiving. That is just protocol. You know, curtsy and bow and all. I've come to the conclusion that coming before Him is not protocol. It's how you get there. And Our Lady Ellen White says, we lift ourselves into the courts of heaven by praise. And so when you are discouraged and, and life is hard, you start praising God. If you can only think, I had a drink of water and have... Whatever it is, you start praising God. How many of you know the one thing I tell people to praise God about the most? Has anybody been paying attention to me the last six months I've been here? What's the one thing I want people to praise God the most? Well, I haven't got my hearing aid in, so you're going to have to yell at me. Well, now that's... What do we deserve? We deserve to be lost, Right? And if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're going to get what Jesus deserved. And what does Jesus deserve? Yeah, and for those of you who are visitors here, I, make, I shock some people because they'll say to me, Pastor, how are you? And I'll say, nobody in the Fox Valley Church treats me the way I deserve. <gasps> What's the matter? They treat me better than I deserve because I was treated the way I deserve. I would get what Jesus got. Amen? All right. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's how you get there. Thanksgiving is the elevator that you get on that takes you into the presence of God. And if you feel like you're far away from God, it's because you haven't been spending enough time praising God and thanking him for what he's done for you. And I'll tell you the the most wonderful thing at all, I want you to walk around. If you've given yourself to God, I want you to walk around saying, if I get in an accident and die today, Or if I go to the doctor next week and he tells me you got terminal cancer and there's nothing we can do for you except make you comfortable while you die, you can say, praise the Lord, because I know that when I die, unworthy as I am, the next thing I'm going to know is Jesus is here and he's going to take me to heaven. Can you think of anything that is more wonderful to give thanks for? That will bring you into the presence of God. You need to do it all the time. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into his courts with praise. That's how you get there. You praise him. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. His truth endures forever. How many want to hear more of these verses? Let's go to Psalms 106. 
How many have heard that it said that David was a man after God's own heart? And yet David had lots of weaknesses. Why do you think God called David a man after his own heart? Because he just kept praising God and that's how he finally got himself figured out, straightened out. Psalms 106 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy lasts how long? Forever. Psalms 107, verse 8 and 9. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul, he filleth the hungry soul with goodness. How many want to try Psalms 119? We might be here all day, so let's just go to Psalms 119. Verse 164 and 165. That's getting right down near the end. 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law. What does it say? How do you come to the place where no matter what happens, you are not offended? You do what it says in in 1 Thessalonians 5. In everything... Give thanks. Even bad things God is using to purify my character. So even when bad things happen, bless his name. Amen? Oh, there's a couple more. Psalms 137. Psalms 137. Uh, It's verse 23. That can't be right. Psalms 137. That doesn't have. I messed up again. How many tickled to see the pastor mess up again? Well, I'll read, it, I'll read three and four. Because here they were depressed. It says, For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mercy, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse four. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Do it anyway. Right? Do it anyway. I messed up here. But read verse 9. Happy shall he be that talketh. I don't have my glasses on. Is that taketh or talketh? Oh, I'm not going to read the rest. That's a bad one. I don't know what happened here. Let's try Psalms 139 and see what I get. I made up this sermon a long time ago, and I was just writing stuff down in a hurry. Psalms 139. Are there 139? There are. Psalms 139, 17 says, How, oh, this is a nice one. Read it out loud with me. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Just think God's thoughts. And no matter where you are or what you're doing, if you start getting stressed and if you start getting depressed, Start thinking of something you can praise God for and take your brain by the seat of its pants and say, I'm not going to think those negative thoughts anymore. I'm going to start praising God because how many... No, right now, you can think of five things that you can praise God for. I don't care how depressed you are. And just start doing it. I'm going to just tell you some of these other texts real quick because I've already gone over. How many know what Proverbs 23, 7 says without looking? As a man thinketh in his heart, that's where you are. You think negative, discouraged thoughts, you're going to be a negative, discouraged person. You start praising God, trusting God. God is going to do what God says He's going to do. He's going to come again and receive us unto Himself. He's going to take all of our trials and turn them into blessings. Our Lady Ellen White says that 
When you get to heaven and look back on the things you went through on this life, you're going to discover that some of the most discouraging times have been among your greatest blessings. So when you're going through a discouraging time, say, someday I'm going to look back and say, this was a blessing. Amen? In the book, Ministry of Healing, who was passing out that book, that little book at at board meeting the other night? Come on, fess up. There was a little book that was the, the last five chapters of the book, Ministry of Healing. And it's been named something. Excellent little book. Read that. Come on, somebody here passed out a book at either, was it elders meeting? Sam, was that you? Didn't you give us a, somebody gave me a book here at church the last week. Boy, when I found out who it is and they don't tell, I'm going to, oh, all right. It was Wednesday night and Paul's not here. What was the name of that little book? I can't remember it either. Help in Daily Living. See Paul. Get that book. It is so good because it's talking about this rejoicing in all things. Um, oh, here's the last one. I'll let you go. I've got two more. Then I'm going to let you go. Second Corinthians. Go to Second Corinthians. This is so neat. Ah, it's way back in the New Testament. Second Corinthians... How many know I'm supposed to quit at 12 o'clock? But I wrote down too many texts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to read this one. You've got to see this one today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Oh, no wonder it's not there. I'm in 1 Corinthians still. Did I say 2 Corinthians? All right. It's going to take me 10 minutes to find it. 2 Corinthians. For the verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not guns, not swords, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What's the weapons? The right thoughts, praising God. Verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How many see why I couldn't end that sermon before I got to that one? Right? Bringing how many thoughts into captivity to Christ? All of them. All of them. Here's how to do it. Ephesians. That's just a few verses old. Ephesians chapter 5. We could sing this one, but I won't. Verse 18, 19, 20, and 21. And be not drunk with wine. You see, if you don't have Jesus, the only way you can feel good is to do something in your brain, taking pills or drinking wine or something. How many know that that's true? I remember the first time I was on an airplane... I couldn't believe. I'd, I'd look down the concourse and there'd be a knot of people. I thought, oh, what's going on down there? It was the bar. And every place I looked, there were, there was a big bunch of people, there was a bar. And then I got on the plane and as soon as we got up to where they can take the seatbelts off, here comes the stewardess passing out booze. If you don't have Jesus, you're going to have to look to some chemical to make you feel good. Amen? So this says here, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be, what? Filled with the Spirit. How do you bring the Spirit in your life? Because I hear people talk about that. I need to be filled with the Spirit. How do you fill the Spirit? Verse 19. How do you fill the Spirit? You speak to yourselves. Is it all right to talk to yourself? Sometimes. That's what it says, doesn't it? Especially, you know, most of the time when you're speaking to yourself, you're grumbling. Speak to yourself. Talk to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. I'm over. How many think I gave you some good text today? If you, if you want them, I've got them. We should maybe. But we need to spend more time praising. Amen? And every time, every time you're tempted to let a discouraging, negative word come out of your mouth, think of five things that you can praise God for and do that instead. And then when I'm back in two weeks, tell me whether or not it works. Maybe we'll have a testimony meeting on this very subject. Amen? How many are going to do this? Every time you're tempted to think something negative and discouraging, you're going to think of five things that you can think of and write them down and see how much of a list you come up with. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Jesus in heaven, thank you that in all of our situations in life, you know what we're going through. And if we put these things in your hands, the Bible says you will bring us off more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves us. Pray, Father, that you'll be with Jay and Kim in what they're going through. I pray that you'll be with each one of us in whatever our situation is, is to know that God can lead and he can use every situation to his glory. Help us to do what the Bible says to do. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Amen.